Hello and welcome everybody to the Bring the Sting podcast. I am your host, Evan Birchmore. Guys, welcome to episode 17, week 8 recap for your Charlotte Hornets as they go 1-2 and two on the week. They do take two losses against the Philadelphia 76ers, guys, but they wrap the week up with a thrilling victory over the Sacramento Kings, 124-123. to 123. Guys, let's go ahead and dive on in to week 8 for your Charlotte Hornets. All right, guys, so as I mentioned, three games were on the schedule for this week. You had two games against the 76ers, both here in Charlotte, and then Friday night you wrapped it up with another home contest against the Sacramento Kings, guys. So in that first game against Philadelphia, really both games were very similar, you know, high-scoring, back-and-forth affairs, if you will. Charlotte definitely held their own against a Philadelphia team that obviously still no Ben Simmons yet this year, but other than that, was pretty much operating at full strength. Obviously, they have Joel Embiid. He's a handful and a half every time you go against him. And you really, I mean, for all the deficiencies that Charlotte has at the center spot, and then you put, you know, the COVID limitations on the uh, rotation, if you will, on top of that, Embiid just went off on you both nights. You know, the first game, he had 43 points and 15 boards. The second game, he had 32 points and eight boards. So, I mean, he's just, call it for what it is. Like, he's a beast down low he is just really really tough to deal with but charlotte hung in that game guys again this it's an elite offensive unit for the hornets and really the stat that just blew my mind from that game the, uh, again the 127 to 124 overtime loss to philadelphia the monday night game 107 field goal attempts by charlotte 107 guys for some context to that the hornets lead the nba in shots per game as a team they take 92.8 shots a game. So they were pretty much 14, roughly 14 shots above their season average, which is the first, you know, leading average of any team in the NBA. So just, you know, an offensive explosion, fireworks, if you will, on Monday night. And then Wednesday night, you follow it up, you know, a very similar game, like I mentioned, back and forth, offensive affair. You do lose 110 to 106. Guys, I'm going to read off the box score of that game, though. It was pretty much just exactly the same on both sides. Going just shooting splits, even down to like assists and turnovers. So on the night, Charlotte shot 39 of 80 from the field. That's 48.8%. Philadelphia, meanwhile, went 36 of 75, 48% on the dot. So again, forty, basically 49% for the Hornets, 48% for the Sixers. From three, Charlotte shot 35%, Philly shot 38%. Free throw line, Charlotte was 86%, Philly was 83%. Rebounds, Charlotte had 35, Philly had 36. Offensive rebounds, eight apiece. Assists, 22 for the Hornets, 23 for the Sixers. Four blocks for each team. Charlotte had one more steal. Charlotte did have three more turnovers, 12 more points in the paint, and three more fouls. But guys, pretty much both teams shot exactly the same from the field, from three, and from the line. They had nearly the exact same amount of rebounds and assists and steals, and they did have the same amount of blocks. Turnovers were also close. So again, that game was literally the definition of back and forth. I've mentioned on the show before, you know, sometimes with other games that I don't watch, like I watch every Hornets game, but other NBA games or maybe even college basketball games, right? I'll go and look at the box score. And a lot of times the box score can tell you the story of a game. You know, one team got hot from three. One team couldn't hit their free throws. One team just turned the ball over too much. 
This game, there was none of that. I mean, a very nip-and-tuck game literally came down to the wire. Even every quarter was similar. It wasn't like Charlotte got down and went on this big run at the end to make it look like it was a close game. You know, they were tied after the first quarter. Charlotte was up two at the half. Philly was up one point going into the fourth, and then Philly wins by four. So again, just a nip-and-tuck contest. You really proved that you could hang with Philly. And again, you have half of your rotation out with the COVID protocols, right? Again, you were obviously down LaMelo. Terry was out. Jalen McDaniels, Mason Plumley, Ish Smith got added into the COVID protocols. And then P.J. Washington, you know, towards the end of the week, uh, had a non-COVID illness. So he ended up getting, you know, pulled out for that. But again, guys, really the the main takeaway has to be the depth of this team and the depth that this team has when guys come in. Like, again, that Atlanta game, I know that's going back to last week, but Ish came in and played excellent ball in that Atlanta game. Then he gets pulled out with the COVID protocols. So then a guy like a James Booknight comes in. All he does is drop 24 points and lead the team in scoring on Friday night as you beat Sacramento. And again, we'll get into that in just a minute here. But again, this team has so, such good depth. And that, that's really a, when you're dealing with these unusual circumstances, these COVID protocols, it, it's it's going all across the league right now. You see Chicago, I think, has nine people in the, in nine players, you know, in the COVID protocol. You, you know, other teams are dealing with this where I think depth now, more depth's always been important in the NBA, but it's even more important now because you never know when you're going to be down again, half of your rotation like Charlotte is right now. And so having that depth to fall back on and to rely upon is such an advantage over, you know, maybe other teams that don't have that luxury. So like I mentioned, guys, going to go ahead and dive on into the Sacramento game as you wrap up the week with a thrilling victory, a one-point win against the Kings, guys, 124 to 123. Really, really good performance out of James Booknight. Like I mentioned, guys, he puts up 24 points, six boards. Cody Martin. Tip of the hat to Cody Martin, guys, just playing some clutch ball down the stretch. And again, kind of that sequence there at the end, right, where he it was a bizarre ending to the game. If Those of you who watch, he gets the ball, goes up, he gets fouled. So he makes one free throw out of two. He misses the first free throw, makes the second, then comes down. He commits a foul on De'Aaron Fox. I don't know if he... Thought I think at first I thought that he didn't understand that they were in the bonus, but then you know it turned out that I think he did know that. But De'Aaron Fox misses both free throws. Sacramento had a great look at a tip in right at the buzzer, couldn't get it to go. So I mean, again, Charlotte had to sweat it out. They made it more interesting than it probably should have been, you know, down the stretch. But you do pull out the win. Cody Martin coming up with some clutch plays, obviously knocking down that clutch free throw there at the end of the game. And guys, we've mentioned it on the show. We've mentioned it online. Like, just the improvement from Cody Martin this year blows my mind. Now, again, we've talked about, you know, Miles Bridges has improved leaps and bounds this year. He's still your leading scorer right now. And not to take anything away from that, but I think people kind of saw the potential with Miles, right? Like, at the end of last year, last year, he got into the starting five for a few games at the end of the season. And you could kind of see the glimpses of what, you know, maybe things to come, right, for Miles Bridges. Cody Martin, I think we always knew that he had this, you know, he had a good mentality. He played really hard, but I, I get, you know, I'd be lying if I said I saw this coming from him. And especially given this, you know, expanded opportunity now with the uh, the COVID group being out. I, again, just fantastic contributions from him, 
especially coming down the stretch of that Sacramento game, guys. So again, tip of the hat, tip of the cap, rather to Cody Martin. Came up again, nineteen points, eight boards, five assists, pretty much helping carry the team to victory. And again, it, it's not just Cody Martin; it's other guys too. You know, it's a guy like a James Booknight. It's a guy like a JT Thor coming and giving you twenty-eight minutes. You know, he was in the G League you know, just a few short weeks ago. I mean, he's been in the G League pretty much like the entire season, coming in, playing big, crucial minutes for you. James Booknight was on the court, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter with the game on the line. You know, Kai Jones got some good minutes. So, again, these guys are stepping up. It's great to see. I think it's really just that next-man-up mentality that you kind of have to have because, you know, I hate to say it, but, like, you just never know when something will come up, whether it be injury, COVID, where you're not going to have your full arsenal of weapons available, and you really have to rely on some of these guys. All right, guys, so again, as I mentioned, one and two on the week, but you do wrap it up with a big win against the Kings, guys. But now you head into what I consider to be the toughest stretch of the season. I remember when we did our full season preview and predictions episode, right? And looking at the schedule, I pointed this out on the schedule where, you know, this is going to be sort of a make or break part of the schedule, if you will. These games coming up, you know, five of the teams you're about to play. It's a six-game Western Conference road trip. Five of them currently are in the postseason picture. If the, if the season ended tonight, they would be in the postseason. The only team that would not be is the Spurs. And again, I know their Spurs aren't really what they used to be anymore. Obviously, you know, the days of Duncan and Ginobili and Tony Parker are long gone. Even the days of Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge are gone. Now the days of DeMar DeRozan are gone. Like, it's just a whole new cast of characters in San Antonio. But one thing you can always count on, as long as Pop is there, they're going to play hard. They're going to play the right way. You got to show up and play your A game if you want to beat those guys, especially in their building, right? But coming up just this week, you have the first four games of this six-game trip, guys. You're going to start it off Monday night at Dallas. Big, big news, guys, as Terry Rozier has cleared the NBA COVID protocol, and Terry Rozier will be back for the Hornets tomorrow night. Cannot emphasize enough how big that is to get Terry back. And again, no Luka Doncic tomorrow night for Dallas either. He's dealing with an ankle injury right now. So again, they've already ruled him out tomorrow night. So I mean, anytime the best player on the other team is out, you know, that's significant. And again, we don't we don't wish injury on anybody, right? But just being honest and transparent like that obviously does increase your chances of picking up a W tomorrow night at Dallas. Wednesday night, you're in San, San Antonio taking on the Spurs. Spurs have been playing some better ball as of late. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10. Again, like I mentioned, a, a new cast of characters than we're used to seeing from them. They do have some good young pieces, though. So again, and again, like I mentioned, like just any Greg Popovich coach team, you have to show up and play your A game if you expect to go in there and win, especially in their building. Friday night, you're up in Portland. You're taking on the Blazers, who are on a bit of a a bit of a slide, if you will. They're three and seven in their last ten. Just really some some uh, I feel like negativity kind of around them right now. Like Chauncey Billups, it's maybe off to a a bit of a rocky start. Dame Lillard's back in the rumor mill with trade rumors. CJ McCollum has a collapsed lung, so he's out indefinitely. And we definitely, you know, best of wishes and and prayers up to CJ McCollum. You never want to see that. I mean, that's just a scary situation with that. But we obviously uh, wish him good health and a quick, speedy recovery from that. Uh, So, again, you know, that's their two best players right there. McCollum out with injury. 
Dame back in the rumor mill again. I know he struggled kind of at the beginning of the season. He's picked it up a little bit more recently. You kind of were able to hold him in check in the game in Charlotte just a few weeks ago when you took on Portland. But that's your Friday night matchup. And then Sunday in Phoenix taking on the Suns. The just red hot to this point Suns. No pun intended. But, guys, they're 9-1 and one in their last 10. I don't know what to tell you. Like, it wasn't a fluke last year. Chris Paul goes there, and he, he is just such a valuable P. He is just a winner wherever he goes. Like, I know he's not the flashiest guy. He's not going to, you know, make these 30-foot threes. He's not going to go dunk on somebody. But, but wherever he goes, winning follows. He goes to the Clippers, historically a terrible franchise. Winning follows. He goes to Houston. You know, they probably should have got to the finals except for that he got hurt. He goes to the Thunder, who were trying to tank. He gets into the playoffs. They move off of him because they wanted to tank. He goes to Phoenix, who had missed the playoffs for darn near a decade straight, gets him to the finals. Now, I know, obviously, Devin Booker was is, is the best player on that team, but just like that veteran mentality of a Chris Paul, the everything that doesn't show up in a box score with Chris Paul, the things that do show up in the box score with Chris Paul, like I just can't emphasize enough how valuable he is to that team, guys. Again, they're currently first in the West. They're 21 and four. 21 and four, guys. The best winning percentage in the NBA to this point belongs to the Suns. It wasn't a fluke last year, guys. Those guys are for real. So, again, that's your Sunday night matchup, a difficult matchup, to say the least, against the Suns. But again, you know, they're obviously trending in the right direction as well. Dallas failed to mention this just a minute ago, but Dallas is sliding a little bit. They're four and six in the last 10. And again, no Luka tomorrow night. So that's possibly a winnable game for you. I, I could definitely see you picking up wins against Dallas and Portland. San Antonio, they're playing better, like I said, but, you know, they're not the San Antonio of old. Phoenix is going to be a tall task. Like, I think the back half of this road trip is the more difficult half because you have Phoenix and then Denver and Utah, obviously both on the road still with the elevation. And those are just very difficult places to play. And it's just, you know, not, not easy places to go into and win. not that any place is easy to go into and win, but especially when you deal with that elevation in Denver and in Utah, you know, take advantage here on the front half. I know you'll get some rotation pieces back, you know, as the road trip goes along, we're hoping LaMelo gets back, you know, here in just a few games. You'll hope to get Jalen McDaniels, Ish Smith, Mason Plumlee, P.J. Washington. already mentioned that Rogier will be back tomorrow night, so that's obviously huge. So, you know, you should be getting most of the guys back. You know, you don't want to rush them back into things after they've been off for 10 days, obviously. But I, I think really what these past few games have showed you is you have the luxury of not having to rely on LaMelo to go out there and drop 30 points a night, not go out there and just be – you know, superhuman every night. Now he's perfectly capable of doing that, but you don't have to have him do that in order to get a win. Like you do have other guys who can step up if he's having an off night. So really, really, you know, encouraged by that development. All right, guys, before we wrap up this segment of the show, I would be remiss not to mention, if you keep your eye on the rumor mill at all, the trade rumor mill, you know that Miles Turner has been connected to the Charlotte Hornets in the rumor mill for what seems like just it has been months. Like I remember back to the end of last year and over the summer, he was always being floated in rumors, you know, miles Turner to Charlotte. And look, there's a clear need at the center spot for Charlotte. We've talked about that on the show. Indiana appears to be, you know, they, they want to go in a new direction. They kind of want to 
you know, they called it a rebuild. Again, I, I see it more as a retooling for Indiana because, look, they're a solid organization, a good franchise. They, The East is so murky this year. Like, they aren't as bad as Orlando and Detroit, who are the teams right next to them in the standings, right? So Indiana right now is 12-16, and 16, so obviously that's under 500, but they're seven and a half games back of first. They're only three games back of where Charlotte is, and if the season ended today, the Pacers would be one and a half games out of the postseason. They're one and a half games out of 10th. But again, you know, do they, maybe they're thinking, you know, we've kind of seen what the ceiling is with this roster. Something needs to change in order to elevate that ceiling. That's certainly a possibility as far as what their school of thought is. But, you know, according to the reports, Miles Turner's on the trade block. DeMontis Sabonis is on the trade block. Now, I will say this. I do think Sabonis is a better player than Miles Turner. Like he's made all-star teams. I I think he's a more versatile player, but I think Miles Turner fits what Charlotte needs better than Sabonis would fit what Charlotte needs. That's not to say Sabonis cannot fit in with the Hornets. Obviously, you know, he would be able to in some capacity, but I just think Turner more fills the, the current need on this roster as far as a true big man, a true guy at the five to go and just anchor the post, anchor the paint, right? That's really what you need. And I do think that Turner, rather than Sabonis, would be better for that. So with that being said, I do think Turner should be the one that Charlotte, you know, kicks the tires on. You know, they would be, I think, foolish not to at least inquire about that, right? But kind of the trades that have been floated out there on the internet and on Twitter and everything, you know, if they're, like, the Pacers want to rebuild, obviously they want something to rebuild around coming back in exchange for Turner or in exchange for Sabonis. So given that, you know, really PJ Washington has been connected to Indiana. Apparently, you know, the reports are that they really, really like him and would be high on him and would, wouldn't, you know, want him back in return in any trade. Uh, and then obviously, you know, they would want some picks and then, you know, probably one of the young pieces. Is that a book night? Is that a JT Thor? Is that a Kai Jones? You know, we'll see. I would personally think, you know, Kai Jones could be intriguing where if you're shipping out a big man, get back a younger big man in return who you might, you know, think has the higher ceiling long-term. If you're going to play the long game and the rebuilding game, you know, Kai Jones could be a good piece for Indiana to get back in exchange. I know Gordon Hayward has been connected to Indiana and kind of want to, you know, I'll mention this. Pardon me. You know, with Gordon Hayward, and I've said this on Twitter and, I kind of got some pushback, but I do think I followed it up logically. Look, he is a good NBA player. He is a valuable piece to this Hornets team, but there are deficiencies with his game, and there are ways in which he's maybe not the perfect fit in Charlotte, just from an age perspective and from the perspective of Kelly Oubre's ascension and from the perspective of... Uh, you know, you got to mention the contract when it comes to him. Like, that's the thing that people always, like, they say, oh, well, take the contract out of it. Like, forget the contract. And and look, I get why people say that, like, from a basketball perspective, I guess. But, like, you have to mention the contract when it's that big of a contract. $30 million a year for pretty much, you know, what would you say? I mean, I thought he was your best player still going into this year, but 
you know, Miles Bridges and LaMelo, I think, are, are kind of above him. And and on certain nights, you know, Oubre and Terry can be above him. So, look, I do not dislike Gordon Hayward. Like, he is a good piece on this team. He is a very good player in the NBA. His veteran leadership and presence is very important to a young team, which obviously is what Charlotte is. My point is that he should not be untouchable if relinquishing him gets Miles Turner in return, or even a Sabonis in return. That's always been my point. I'm not advocating for that move to be made. That I'm just putting that out there that like that shouldn't be what Charlotte gets hung up on in any potential deal. Now, again, would Indiana be interested in Gordon Hayward in return? Now, really, the reason I think a lot of this connection has been drawn is he's from Indiana, and he played at Butler, which is in Indianapolis, which obviously is where the Pacers play. So it's kind of a good, you know, a feel-good homecoming story, if you will. And I know he was kind of connected to the Pacers way back when he was drafted in 2010. They ended up getting Paul George that year. So, again, you know, is he a reasonable fit for the Pacers? Look, he would certainly fit in. I don't think that he would not. I mean, he's kind of the type of player that will fit in on any team. And he's the type of player that elevates your floor. I don't think he really raises your ceiling a whole lot, but he does give you a pretty safe, defined floor. I've said that about the Hornets with Hayward. You know, he gives you a defined floor. And he he does, you know, he can play make and he can dish the ball a, a good amount. But would they want him back? If they're going into a rebuild, would they want him back with not only the rest of this season, but the next two seasons still on that contract? You know, if they're playing the extremely long game to eventually move off that contract, then maybe. But I'm not sure that's necessarily what they're looking for in return. Now, I know I've seen this trade floated where it's it's Hayward to the Pacers, Tur- Miles Turner and Jeremy Lamb back to the Hornets. I'm not sure Indiana really benefits a whole lot from that unless there's just, you know, some absurd amounts of picks attached to that or anything. Because why would they, if they're aiming to rebuild, move off for basically a veteran forward. Like Hayward would kind of be a win now player for them, in my opinion. So I'm not sure if that's really going to happen. I just think Charlotte would be remiss not to at least look into it. Now I'm not saying mortgage the future or, you know, just give up way too much for Miles Turner, but I do think he would, you know, elevate the ceiling of this team. Like he's another good piece. He fits an obvious position of need. So it's definitely something to keep an eye out for. All right, guys. So with that being said, currently your Charlotte Hornets sit at 15 and 13 on the season, guys. That's good for eighth in the East. You are four and a half games back of first. In the last 10, they're five and five. They've obviously rallied very well with, again, so many players out due to the COVID protocols. So that's where you stand. And look, if you were to go back to the beginning of the season and tell me or any other Hornets fan, Look, after 28 games, you're going to be eighth. You're going to be 15 and 13 with all this adversity you've already faced. You're going to get this, you know, ascension out of Cody Martin, ascension out of Miles Bridges. You're going to get, you know, improved play out of LaMelo, maybe even more so than some people thought. Most people would take that. Like, I would certainly take that. I'm sure, you know, any of you listening would take that. They're in a good spot. That being said, as I mentioned, the six-game road trip, We'll show you a lot. The last road trip did not go well. Like call it for what it is. You picked up the win against the Grizzlies at the tail end of it, but it didn't. It wasn't really a very 
good road trip for you. So hopefully this time around is a little bit different. It's a challenging stretch. Like no doubt, it's probably the most challenging stretch of the season. But I do think this team is made of the right stuff. I think they do have the good intangibles, that good leadership. They're just, they're gelling together, like in a way, obviously on the court and with their play, but just like even off the court and the team chemistry, I think you can really tell and pick up on, look, these guys are kind of ready for it. Like now's the time. And if you want to be considered as a serious playoff level team in the East, like you got to go prove it. You got to go toe to toe with Philadelphia two nights in a row or two games in a row with half the guys out. You know, you get wins against Golden State. You go nearly beat Milwaukee in their building. This is just another opportunity for you to continue to prove yourself. So personally, as a fan, I'm very excited for that. I know, you know, you probably are as well. I'm sure the players are. I'm sure Coach Borrego is. So it'll be interesting to watch. Hopefully this time next week I'm sitting here talking about some big-time wins on the road for the Hornets, guys. All right, so that will do it for this episode of the Bring the Sting podcast, guys. We do have a guest interview today. You might know him as Hornets Beard Guy, a famous Hornets fan, guys. He's he's just a, a friend of the show, an avid listener, just a, you know, a big-time Hornets fan. I have been wanting to get him on the podcast for a while now. We're finally able to work out the schedule for that, so just very, very excited to be able to have Hornets Beard Guy on with us. Be sure to go follow him. On social media, again, that information will be in the guest interview. Thank you so, so much for tuning in to the Bring the Sting podcast, for supporting the content, for engaging with us on Instagram, on Twitter. It just means the world to us. As we continue to grow this, this brand, this podcast, you know, give us feedback. Give us honest feedback and let me know, you know, what do you like? What do you not like? What would you like to see more of? I'm here for all of it. Guys, I really, really appreciate each and every one of you who took the time to listen to this episode, any of our previous episodes, to follow us along on Twitter, on Instagram. Just thank you so much. But without further ado, guys, please enjoy our guest interview with none other than Hornets Beard Guy, and we will see you next week on the Bring the Sting podcast. Go Hornets. All right, everybody, we are super, super excited uh, to be joined with the guest of the show, Hornets Beard Guy, uh, Nick his actual name, but Hornets Beard Guy, a fan of the show, and, and just very excited to have him on as a guest today. Uh, so, Nick, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, you know, I'm like I said uh, before we started recording. I just want to say thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I, you know, going through the outline. Um, I'm just a lot of great things to get to, lots of topics to discuss. So I'm I'm super excited. I think uh, I picked the right. <laughs> you picked the. Uh, I picked the right one. I guess I accepted the invitation to be on the show. This is a. This is going to be a good show. I'm excited yeah. for it. Yeah, no doubt. And before I kind of dive in, just want to give you props. You have this awesome uh, setup behind you. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can you walk us through yeah. that real quick? Oh, uh, nothing really. I mean, you got, uh, you know, the bobbles up top. I got the um, just from going to the games over the years. You got uh, I even got like a Frank Kaminsky Stormtrooper one in there. I think my microphone came on. My microphone came loose. No, we're good. Okay, I got like a Frank Kaminsky one up there. I got this really cool, like Lamelo Ball, like Buzz City minted from the like City Edition they did last year. Oh yeah, yeah, those were fresh. No I doubt. Some um, uh, framed the um, that Terra Rosier poster over Kevin Durant from oh, a, yeah. you know, the game we played a couple seasons back. Just things I've collected over the years by going to the games. Uh, got a really cool uh, Dreamville. Uh, piece behind me that's signed by uh, Loot, who's signed to. Um, oh no way! 
who's signed by uh, Jay Cole's uh, record label. Yeah. Um, and then you've seen the uh, you've seen the framed Muggsy Bogues uh, jersey. Yes. That I've, yeah. So I've got that. Like it's it's not over. It's like I'm pointing like you can see it, but it's over that way. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> <Somewhere>. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, but this is just like my my corner uh, my corner office um, here at home. So yeah, I just I need a bigger definitely gonna need a bigger space as my yeah. collection grows. I mean, and this isn't even all the stuff I have, you know, things like packed up and put away, and in hopes one day I'll be able to display it all. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, that's a pretty sweet setup you got. Uh, whose jersey you're rocking today? Oh, I got that uh, Miles Book 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 Bridges. There you go, I'm Miles baby. And last year's city edition, always looking fresh. I love those minted jerseys, man. Yeah, I like I mean, the ones this year too. The ones this year are pretty sweet too, man. I yeah. was able to um I was at the shop uh earlier in the week and got the shorts. Nice. Uh I got a custom uh custom jersey coming uh hopefully soon. Beard guy, uh number 88 nice. jersey coming soon for the custom, the new um city editions. And I'm yeah. waiting on a I'm waiting on a Kelly Oubre Jr. in the city editions because nice. that's 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 the man. Oh, yeah. That's the man right now, man. Tsunami Poppy, baby. He's going off. <laughs> that's right. Dude. That's, yeah, man. They don't yeah. miss with the jerseys. They're, I don't think I've ever seen a bad Hornets jersey. Uh, the gray ones, I didn't really care too yeah. much for. Compared to the all sleeve. the other ones, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. And then the uh, they tried the, the the sleeve, the sleeved ones the one time with the uh, – Yeah. Like the black – I mean, the, the, the concept was great. I just didn't dig the sleeves. I don't think there was a single because like several teams did those. I don't. I wasn't yeah, really a big fan of any yeah. of them. But um, right. the minted ones definitely the ones from last year and the ones from this year. They've they've yeah yeah no doubt no those doubt. Are, those are the ones to have. I mean, you should. My closet is just like I mean I'm gonna need just a separate <laughs> closet. That's another jersey closet for all like the, yeah just yeah freaking jersey closet. I need to like consider doing some giveaways or you know packing some away that I don't really like typically wear. Right often. right. I don't know figure out something right very cool yeah well we'll go ahead and dive on in uh so can you kind of tell the tell the audience uh, how did you get to become such a big hornets fan what's kind of the story on that well uh so uh i was born in 88 charlotte became a franchise in 88 um you know some as old as the team uh i can my first memories go back to that 92 93 roster you know lj mozi jr reed uh, Lonzo, Kendall Gill, I mean, just those guys. And um, truly what did it for me was uh, video games, right? When NBA Jam came out for the uh, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, I mean, I, you know, I saw Charlotte was on there and I said, oh man, this is cool. Because growing growing up from Nor in North Carolina, being from North Carolina, I mean, to see like as a kid, to be able to play as these guys you got, you watch on TV and you've seen play, in person it was just so cool and then from there just the fandom just grew i mean uh there's memes out there there's memes out there where they show that charlotte hornet starter jacket you know and it's right, like right uh, you know everyone i knew had one of those right and it's just so cool i mean this team is just so iconic i've just been a fan for as long as i can remember i mean best biased if you want to call it biased but best color scheme in the in the league i mean that teal and purple is just, uh, no doubt man on point that's kind of the thing i found where you know not a whole lot of folks outside of charlotte are really invested in the team itself but like everybody i talk to is just such a big fan of the branding and you know from yeah. the name the logo hugo the hornet mascot you know the teal oh, and purple yeah, like you're saying the jerseys like everything i mean 
going back to that 92 93 the like the pinstripes is what did it for me yeah man. yeah those the, i don't know it's just the the we've had so many legends i mean the the team is owned by you know currently the team is owned by michael yeah. jordan a legend in his, his own right and you know to see so many of these guys still active in the community like mugsy bogues is still you know doing things with his uh, mugsy bogues foundation and of course del curry alongside of uh, eric collins is still like you right. know calling games uh for the hornets so it, it's just it's it's um it's like a family right yeah oh it's i agree the, you know like you always uh and, and i know of course uh, mugsy and del played for other teams obviously but to still call Charlotte their home. I mean, that, I think that speaks volumes to just how awesome, how incredible this, this team is. Right. Yeah. And I, and not to get too sidetracked, but like, I think one of the, you hit on a very good point where, you know, it is a small market for the NBA. Charlotte is obviously. Yeah. So like you're saying, these legends, these Hornets legends are so very involved in the community. And I, I think you kind of see some of that with the Panthers as well here in town where, yeah. you know, we're not in New York, we're not in LA, we're not Chicago, Miami, obviously, but like, the guys who have been in Charlotte are so beloved by the Charlotte community. Like you yeah. can just really become like an icon here in Charlotte. Exactly. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Awesome, man. Well, uh, without further ado, we'll go ahead and dive on into our, uh, our topics here and, and get, wait. get to talking. Yeah. So kind of first up on the docket. Uh, so we're about a quarter of the way, maybe a little more than a quarter of the way through the season so far. Uh, and it's been a very, very interesting start so far for the Hornets. Uh, they've looked very good. Obviously, we have some guys in the COVID protocol right now, uh, which is kind of taken a little bit out of the team. But I think a very promising start to the season, I think uh, I would I would say. So what do you think is the ceiling for this Hornets team going into 2022? Yeah, like you mentioned, we're about a third or a quarter of the way uh, through the season. I mean, um, the ceiling right now, I think it's just really the sky, right? I mean, it's, it's limitless. Um, we've had a really weird season to start, right? I mean, we started three and zero, right? We went. We've had like a. We've seen a five game winning streak. We've seen a like a five game losing streak. We've we've had core guys out for COVID, um, but you know the good the good thing uh, I kind of say good I take out of this is that um, with our roster so um, stacked and 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 um, rookies and and two way players down in Greensboro, you really get to see these guys perform like the way they're meant to perform. I mean uh for example like i mean james booknight well i know we'll talk more about him later but i mean in vernon carey jr these guys who otherwise wouldn't really see you know uh many minutes because of guys like rosier and mellow i mean the ceiling for those guys is really showcasing their talents and showing them that you know they're just really excited to play for this this young team and they're they're really showing you know coach james borrego like what they can do i mean it's just it, I love it. It's just um, the, the good, I will say uh, having one of the youngest rosters in the league currently may seem like a bad thing, but really I think it's, it, it's just, it's uh you know, to me, it's like a good, I think it's a good way to show like, yeah, Charlotte's a young team, but I mean, look at these guys, they're young, they're fresh, they're hungry. They got that chip on their shoulder. They're trying to compete. They're trying to get, you know, they're, they're gunning for minutes. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what the second half, holds in store for the Charlotte team. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up a good point where just the depth on this team is absurd in a, in a good way. Like it's a good problem to have. I think yeah. you, you bring up James Booknight, obviously went off for 24 the other night in the victory against Sacramento. And he just scored his first NBA bucket, you know, just a matter of days ago. Like he wasn't even really in the rotation. I know 
uh, Coach Borrego tends to not really throw rookies in right away off the bat. Uh, but just thinking about a guy like James Booknight, that's such a luxury. Now you know that he can do it at the NBA yeah, level. And, and I was going to say, I mean, I, I, I tweeted this out last night. I mean, James Booknight is exactly where Mello was during his rookie season, yeah. right? He wasn't starting. I think it took him like a handful of games before he truly started. And once he got in there, look at him now. He's a he's a court. I mean, the, the term I hear mostly associated with Mello is like a he's a general. You know, he's a locker room general. He's leading yeah. the team. I mean, and I same for Book Night. You saw, I mean, 24, what, 24 points the other night against, uh, was it Sacramento? Yeah, off, led, off led the, the team in scoring. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean – it's just I don't know I don't know what they're putting. This is uh, to take a page out of Eric Collins's book, but I don't know what they're putting in the water down yeah. down there. You know Greensboro, but these guys, I mean, don't sleep on those Greensboro Swarm guys, man. Just when yeah. they get those minutes, they're gonna shine. They're gonna maybe it's gonna uh, it's Michael's there. secret stuff from Space Jam. Yeah, that's, that's they have it. Half time. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. There you go. There it is. It's the secret stuff. There. No, it is. but speaking of Michael, uh, that quote he had, I think he was talking about uh, UNC a few years ago, wherever he said the ceiling is the roof, and I know people kind of took that and ran with it as a joke, but you bring up a good point where like, I do think just the way the Eastern conference has been to this point, it's been a very yeah. odd start to the year in the East, yeah. especially there's so much parody. I was looking at the standings the other night. So this was as of Friday night. So Indiana's currently 13th, right? And there's been the reports. They're kind of looking to rebuild, maybe move off of uh, Sabonis and Miles Turner. And so that's a whole nother kind of topic, but I looked at the standings Indiana is as close to third place as they are to 14th place. And, and they're currently in 13th. So really Orlando and Detroit are kind of a, a step beneath everybody. But then one through 13 is like every team can come out and win on any given night. And so it's really open for a team like Charlotte, I think, to sort of take advantage of that and, and play their way into, you know, a higher seed come playoff time. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know, uh, uh, there's been talks of kind of keeping in that that play in tournament concept for, you know, going forward. But uh, I don't really think Charlotte's in that conversation. I really I mean, we still got a lot. Like you said, we're about a quarter of the way through the through the schedule. Um, of course, you know, our we got a really tough uh, road trip kicking off with Dallas tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Western a lot of tough Western Conference opponents. But um that being said, I mean, you look at the second half of the season. I mean, I know we're starting off with Phoenix, but then we got teams like Cleveland. Uh, we're playing Houston here in a couple, you know, a couple weeks, last home game of the year. I mean, those are I know Houston's been kind of hot lately, but but what I'm trying to get at is like I think comfortably Charlotte could end up in like a sixth or seventh seed. I mean, going into yeah. the playoffs. I see yeah, no team, doubt. I think I think Charlotte's still well into the the playoff picture i mean um don't don't count them out you know that's right what that's what i'm getting at yeah no doubt and i would say it kind of you know over the summer i kind of had in my mind like projections of what the east would be like now again like we mentioned it's, it's been wild crazy so far this season but brooklyn you know seems to have figured some things out i do think milwaukee will will kind of pick up some steam as well i know philadelphia is kind of there's a lot going on you know obviously no ben simmons still but they still have Embiid who is one of the best players in the conference. Yeah, 43 points yeah. Um, Monday night last week, uh, you know, overtime loss. Right, right. Home, that's, that's hurt. So you have those teams kind of the – maybe not proven on a championship level at, besides yeah. Milwaukee, but at least proven in the playoffs. And then you have other veteran teams, Chicago and Miami come to mind, where they haven't really done it together yet. Although I know Miami was in the uh, finals 
you know, in the bubble, but they add a Kyle Lowry, you know, Chicago gets DeMar DeRozan. And so I think they will be solid teams. Like I would put money on them being in the playoffs, but then like you mentioned behind that, you know, Charlotte has every opportunity in the world to kind of be, you know, right in that mix. Like the opportunity is there for the taking. Yeah. I mean, and uh, the difference between what, I think what sets us apart uh, us being Charlotte apart from uh, these Eastern conference opponents is that, we really don't have that veteran talent, right? We don't have a, a Kyle Lowry or we don't have a Joel Embiid or, or uh, even, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't even use um, Giannis as an example because he's still, you know, young in my mind. But, right. but Charlotte really doesn't have that, that veteran player. I mean, we've, we have a lot of, like, younger guys. So I think it's these teams that are looking at that as a way to say, well, you know, I don't, I mean, I think that kind of – that should scare them a little bit. It should shake them up a bit because we have a – you know, Melo – I mean, Melo could run 43 minutes if he wanted to. I mean, even, yeah, yeah. you know, um, uh, who's another guy on the team that could that easily run? I still consider Rozier. I mean, once those guys come back, I mean, it's going to be – that's going to give us that boost into the playoffs that we've been looking for that we need. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm excited for it. Yeah, and like you mentioned, you know, it is a young – like the guys on the team are young. Borrego is, is relatively young in NBA coach circles, but, you know, he has experience coming out of that San Antonio Spurs system, you know, was there in during championship seasons. Like he, he does have, I think coming from a winning environment like the Spurs, you know, he kind of has the right mindset to, to lead these guys. You know, it's not like he's totally, you know, new to this as far as right. from a coaching perspective. Exactly. Right. Sweet. So uh, moving kind of on into our next topic here, what would you say, good or bad, has been the biggest surprise to this point for the Hornets? Biggest surprise. Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, I'm going to take it. I'm going to go back to Monday night's game. JT Thor's like first minutes, first like NBA buckets of the season just comes in strong with that that hammer, that yeah. throwdown, yeah. man. That was a that was a big surprise for me. I was not expecting. I mean, such a vertical jump to just say look i'm here i've arrived like you know watch out right yeah For me, that was a big surprise yeah and you know that's a very good point you bring up i really didn't know what to expect from jt thor this me year either. you know doing the background research on him after we drafted him you know he kind of moved around in high school i think he played at three different high schools he was at Auburn uh, last year in the SEC playing some high-level basketball, but really didn't have, you know, huge expectations. But then watching him in summer league and all, you know, you saw the potential. You saw flashes. And then all he just, you know, took his opportunity and ran with it the other night, like you're mentioning. So very, very good things out of him. The most surprising for me, I would say, and there's two guys on the team in particular who have really just shown so much improvement this year, that being uh, Miles Bridges and Cody Martin. And oh, personally, yeah. I got to say Cody Martin was a little more surprising because Miles, I think you kind of saw the potential for that last year. At the end of the season, uh, you know, when we had some guys in and out of the lineup uh, due to injuries and COVID, and when Miles kind of started to be in the starting rotation a little more at the end of last season, I think you got to see, you know, okay, maybe he could really do some more things given starters minutes. Cody Martin, you you know, there were people who legitimately thought like he – would he be on the team this year? Like, would he be on the roster? And so just to see his development and it it seems even kind of silly to think about that now, but like just how much he's grown as a player and what he's bringing to this team has been incredible to watch. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's funny to, 
think about it, but both Martin twins seem to be playing better apart than they did when they were on the team. I mean, Cody, uh, I consider him to be the more like aggressive of the two. Caleb's just kind of more like reserved, but Cody, uh, I, if I'm, if I'm uh, correct on this, I read a stat where he's like leading in three point baskets right now. Um, yeah, he's a 50% three-point shooter right now. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that, like, we would have been even having this conversation right now? I mean, a buddy of mine the other day texted me and said, yeah, I think I'm going to have to run out and get me a Cody Martin jersey. I'm like, <laughs> all right, I love to hear it. Right. And what I, I go back it, to is, what, so many good NBA teams, just over the years of me being a fan of basketball, right? So I started watching basketball, you know, several years ago. But I just think about, you know, the big three Boston Celtics had a guy, Tony Allen, who mm. was that defensive guy, just that grinder mentality. Then he goes to Memphis and really embodies that kind of grit and grind of Memphis. You even think about teams, you know, Golden State with Draymond, you know, and I, and I know some people, you know, think he's dirty or whatever, but like just kind of that hard-nosed mentality, like old school, you know, mentality. I think there's such a place for that. Even the old Spurs teams, you know, had guys like Bruce Bowen on the team. Oh, yeah. Where I'm not like comparing Cody Martin to like that level of a player, but just that mentality. That grit. Yeah, like you have to have, you know, kind of that enforcer, if you will. And he is so locked in on defense. So that's another point you mentioned about like being a big guy. I mean, right now, Charlotte's going kind of small and you kind of have to have that like, you know, big dog mentality being such like, I mean, you're, you're not like a Cody Martin. I mean, he's not going to necessarily match to a, a Draymond, but he's going to, he's not going to like back down, you know, he's going to show you like, you know, you might have the size, but I'm going to like bring the grit. I'm going to bring the attitude. I'm going to like, you know, I'm not, I'm not backing down. So that's a good right. point. Yeah. And then something that kind of manifests from that, I would say, you know, being such a young team, as we've discussed, I think that's an infectious mentality, you know, where you, you can, hopefully kind of give that mentality on to, you know, book Knight and LaMelo and, and Terry and Miles Bridges, these young guys, you know, who are obviously very talented players, but then kind of with that Cody Martin mentality, especially on defense, you know, which I'll just call it for what it is like Charlotte's not a great defensive team, mm-hmm. but I think just if everybody played as hard as Cody Martin played on defense, like they could oh, be man. an yeah. adequate defensive team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Sweet. So uh, moving on ahead, y'all, what has been, in your opinion, what has been the best moment of this young Hornet season? Tough. I was thinking about this. Um, You know what? I'm going to have to give it to uh, Kelly Oubre, 37 points from the bench, snapping that five-game losing streak versus Memphis back in November. We beat them, what, 118 to 108? Yeah. I mean, 37 points off the the bench. I mean, just – Franchise record for points off the bench. Exactly. Yeah. They don't want to leave that out. Franchise record, but just, and just if using like that as a starting point to now to see like Kelly Oubre, he delivers. I mean, don't leave him open behind the arc because it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a bad day for that defender. I mean, he's going to, he's just, and, and just to see that kind of stuff take place and like being there, like in the moment, it's just so incredible. I mean, I'll be honest in saying, like, I never truly followed Kelly Oubre's career until he got to Charlotte. I didn't know much about him. I I heard of him, but, I mean, he himself said that uh, going into this this season that he had never been so excited in the last five seasons to play for a team as he had been to play for Charlotte. So I think that speaks volumes to just, again, that camaraderie, the community, the, the excitement it is to play for the Charlotte team. 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And a great point you bring up, you know, his excitement to be in Charlotte. You know, he spent some years in Washington and then Phoenix and then Golden State last year. And maybe things didn't go, you know, quite according to plan with him and the Warriors. And something I don't want to, you know, predict or put words into Kelly Oubre's mouth. But like, I think Golden State had such a defined culture and a defined core already like years and years of Steph and Clay. I know Clay was obviously hurt, but Draymond as well, or maybe a guy like Kelly Oubre, it was more difficult for him to come into that here in Charlotte. Maybe he feels like he can be a part of building something and not, not building exactly golden state, you know, not trying to copy that or right. anything, but yeah. you know, he's kind of part of the building process rather than coming in, you know, after they've already had all this success. Yeah, for sure. Um, what, what about you? What would you say is like your best moment? Yeah, so speaking of Oubre and the Warriors, you know, I have to go with that victory against the Warriors here in Charlotte uh, yeah. just a few weeks ago on the home court. You know, Golden State comes in. Obviously, it's a big deal whenever Steph comes back to town and obviously Dell, you know, calls the game. So really, really big deal. And everybody knows, you know, he went to college at Davidson here in town and played his high school ball at Charlotte Christian. But just such a good victory. And then they also – because they beat Golden State here last year at home. And then to do it yep. again this year – Golden State coming in and just really, you know, like, I mean, they've been hot to start the year. Like, the Golden State's been on fire so far this year. They've really oh, yeah. reestablished themselves as true title contenders this year without Clay yeah. back yet. But they come in, and Charlotte gets just a huge statement victory that night. That was just an incredible night at the Hive. You know, the Hive was rocking. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, and uh, Jay Cole was in the building. So Yes, sir. Just, yeah. It was a big deal. Like, that yeah. – that, it's it's tough to top that. And when you think about it, um, going back to beating these uh, elite teams, I mean Brooklyn, you know that was like one of our that was our first like win of the the season. We've beaten Washington twice. Who uh, I haven't checked the standings lately, but at at the time we beat them, they were you know at the top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, we've beaten Golden State. Um, so you think about these these we're winning like where it matters most to win. We're beating these like championship. Well, I mean, aside from the Wizards, but, you know, like Brooklyn and, and Golden State, obviously, like we've beaten them. So that, I think it really speaks right. to like, this team's capabilities of winning where it matters most, despite um, being down a, a player or two or, you know, whatever. I mean, because that's like playing against a guy like Steph Curry. I mean, that's that's intimidating. That's not going to be right. easy. But I mean, if I if I remember correctly, we held him to under 30 points that night when we, we yeah. beat him this past season. He had like 24 points. Not his best shooting night either. It yeah, was, so, you know. yeah, right. it was lucky for us or, you know, it's a good thing that he was off that night because that, yep. that was an incredible win. Incredible. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, and a good point you bring up is just, you know, and I want to even expound on that, like not even in the victories, but like in some of the losses, I just think about that game against the Milwaukee Bucks recently mm. where, you know, you oh, really yeah. had a fantastic shot to win the game and, and not to say, you know, uh, like moral victories. I, I know fans really don't kind of like to hear that term, but like there is value in like you proved you can hang with those guys. Yeah. And, and you really proved that you, you know, we're a legitimate team. Like we're, we're not just some pushover team. Sure. I, I did the research, you know, we've only lost one game this year by more than 15 points, which was the game at Sacramento, ironically enough in Sacramento mm-hmm. against the Kings before they fired Luke Walton. And yeah. if you remember that game was just kind of, it was sort of a flu like Sacramento just could not miss from three. And when you can't miss from three, like, you know, leads can yeah. balloon out of control. And so really that was the only game that's been a loss by 
what I would consider like a blowout margin. Every other game, even if they haven't won, they've been, you know, had the opportunity to win. And I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, yeah, and that Kings team, I mean, uh, I'll tell you, um, one, I think what really helped us secure that victory Friday night was just the, the fans. I mean, like uh, up until that, like Sacramento game, the arena was like you would see, you know, like Sixers fans and and uh, uh, Golden State fans, of course. But there wasn't a ton of like uh, and Memphis fans or, you know, whatever. There wasn't like a ton of um, Sacramento fans in the building. And that just kind of like coming down to the final seconds of those two missed free throws. I mean, I, I didn't understand missing one, but he missed both of them. De'Aaron Fox. I mean, I think that the energy just spoke to, to that victory. So the fans in attendance truly helped. I think they, they helped the, this team a lot. I mean, it's just the energy. It's just so electric, man. Yeah, no doubt. That is such a big, you know, factor this year. Obviously so great to have fans back in the building after, of course, last year with, with no fans to start the year that yeah. obviously very, very limited fans kind of at the tail end of last season. And, yeah. And, you know, looking at the attendance stats, so I, I dug into this too. Last year was very skewed, the attendance stats because of COVID, right? Like there was no fans to start. And then it was like whatever percentage, very limited capacity once they did open it back up. But going back two years ago, so 2020 or like the 2020 season that ended up going to the bubble. Yeah. Uh, they were way at the, I believe it was 28th in attendance that year. And now we're up, you know, Last I checked, it was 15th, you know, probably might be higher than that now. Yeah, and and that's just the effect of, like, exciting young team. And that creates, like, good energy creates more good energy. And when there's good energy around the team, there's good energy in the fan base, which then creates, you know, obviously a raucous home court advantage environment, which feeds back into the team and helps them. Absolutely. And I don't know if De'Aaron Fox, you know, if that game's in Sacramento, I don't know if he misses those two free throws. Like that does matter. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No doubt. I mean, no doubt. So it, it, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for sure. Absolutely. Sweet. Uh, so what is the thing that you are most looking forward to the rest of the season? Obviously uh, the return of, you know, our core guys, T-Row uh, ish. I'm really, I've been a, I've, I've been made an ish uh, Smith fan since he's been signed Uh forward to him coming back of course Melo returning um I mean just those guys coming back uh I know it's weird to to hear this out loud but I'm looking forward to that tough second half of the season coming up I think it's really gonna um it's it's with especially with the return of these guys it's really gonna beating those like teams we need to beat like a a once hot uh Phoenix Suns team uh we have Milwaukee we got the Lakers coming up I mean um and uh kind of um, fast forwarding uh, to the end of uh, the season. I'm looking forward to something happening with like a big man trade, maybe like a Miles Turner, maybe like a Sabonis or some, some, some big man. Cause we're struggling at that center position right now. So um, return of the guys coming back, Melo Tiro incorporated and uh, the tough second half season coming. I love those. I live for those tough games. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point to make, you know, where you're, you're kind of a young team, unproven to this point like go prove yourself you know and we've seen that already in games against Golden State Milwaukee you know kind of some of those more marquee victories if you will so yeah that's absolutely a a good one to be looking forward to Uh, personally what I am most looking forward to would be like if I were to put money down on it like I think Charlotte will have at least one all-star this year 
possibly two with LaMelo and Bridges, and then possibly a most improved player award winner in Miles Bridges. I think he's definitely in the running for that. And so seeing some hardware come to Charlotte and seeing some kind of more national or league league wide recognition, if you will, for the improvement that's happening in Charlotte. I'm really looking forward to that because I think fans, you know, us as Hornets fans, we're, we're well aware of the, the progress being made with this franchise, but I think maybe across the whole league, like Charlotte, you know, just call it for what it is. Maybe like a whole lot of folks don't really pay a whole lot of attention to the Hornets. Mostly it's changed a little bit now that LaMelo is here, but you know, typically maybe fans just don't keep up with Charlotte all that much if they're not a fan of the Hornets. So I think getting some recognition for the team and very much well-deserved recognition, you know, for the team, maybe a, you know, who knows a coach of the year candidacy uh, out of James Borrego. I I definitely think he at least deserves some conversation around that. So so, so, seeing some recognition come from, you know, the, the positive progress that's been made. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, that will just about wrap up our guest interview today. Uh, before we leave, though, tell everybody, uh, where can they find you on social media? Where can they kind of link up with you uh, for uh, the future? Yeah, if you feel so inclined, uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, both at Hornets Beard Guy. That's where you can find me. And I'm happy to uh, chat with you. If you're out at the Spectrum Center, just come say, hey, what's up? We'll hang out. I mean, happy to happy to do it and happy to be on Bring the Sting Podcast. Awesome. And I make sure you follow Bring the Sting Podcast on Twitter at bring the sting Instagram at bring the sting podcast. Thank you much. You heard the man, make sure to go shoot him a follow again. We'll be tweeting that out as well. Uh, one of the, one of our, you know, best listeners and avid supporters of the show. So we're very, very thankful for him, but guys, that will wrap it up for our guest interview today. Thank you guys so much again for tuning in to the bring the sting podcast guys until next Monday, go Hornets. We'll see you next time. Thank you.